Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Free on Free podcast. Yes, it's not the normal David. It's Scott here. Unfortunately, David has got weather delayed on his jet setting off to Finland and will not be able to join us tonight. But we still have the out of the parish. Jonathan, how are you tonight? Fed up. What's up? Well, I've been on my sofa for the last five days, haven't I? Broken. Broken. Oh, yes. For the listeners that don't know, John had a coffin fit and cracked a rib. Uh, nothing to do with his age, of course, or anything like that. But yes, uh, he's nursing uh, a cracked rib. Well, we're going along with a storyline about me coughing and breaking my rib, aren't we? Yeah. That's what I told you, boys. Now, after about a day or so, only my other half knew I'd done it. And she said, oh, have you told the boys? Told the boys. I was like, well, no, not really. Because I hadn't told Twitter and I hadn't told the world. I'm in pain like everyone does these days if they're ill or they get injured. And uh, as you know, boys, I, I do like to keep fit. I do a lot of spin, a lot of Pilates. And I thought I was quite bendy, quite supple. You know, I can kind of like do lots of things. But as I've kind of found out in the last couple of days, maybe not as supple as I thought I was. So one is nursing a broken rib, one is in a lot of pain, one not to be careful what he does in the future in certain situations, not to do this again, and please don't make me laugh because it's very painful to laugh. Wasn't sure where you were going with that. Um, and we are guests tonight, it's his, uh, it's his second appearance, it's uh, Belfast's own Thomas Brownlee, how are you Thomas? Absolutely fantastic, love and life. Loving life. Well, we'll see if you're loving life, because let's get straight into our first topic. The Belfast Giants. The Belfast currently in the league, 12 wins, one overtime win, and eight regulation losses. For a team that are going for 52 in a row, according to your fan base. Thomas, talk to us. It's not good. Um, And I think... I don't think there's any there's any sort of way to sugarcoat it. Um, Pish, honestly, and it sort of has sucked the entire life out of the season for me. For one that started off with sort of so much promise and you know on paper looked pretty good, um, and having seen pretty much every game apart from the fantastic performances apparently against Manchester at home. Because um, I was off in London gallivanting with Sarah. Um, it's just been... There's nothing even to get excited about. Even the perform, You know, you're beating... The, the Cardiff performance was what it was. The Dundee performance was a win. But it wasn't exactly an emphatic win after a series of bad results. And we can't even put the blame on to being short bench. Cardiff were as short benched as we were. If I think they had actually one less player and we're still just, you know, not at the races with it. I think the Cardiff the sort of Cardiff result had it not been for the two losses against Manchester, it probably wouldn't have hit us so much. But three losses in a row, eight in regular season already just not good enough. And you've uh, made some changes. Well, you've cut Butcher and uh, recently Colby and McCauley, which the fans didn't seem too happy with. But I think there's more 
issues going on there. I don't think the Giants handled that situation as well because would that be coming a little bit more unrest in the fan base when they they see a player that they think is doing well but looks like other things will be going on? Are you getting frustrated a little bit with the back end of the the, the Giants organisation? I, th- I think it's one of those things when you have people putting up, you know, well, the orgs sort of putting up replacement to, you know, replacement to be announced soon. And then, what are we, nearly a week away from that? And I know players don't just magically appear out of nowhere. Um, but it sort of, I think it sort of adds fuel to the fire and it just, I think it just riles people up in the wrong way where it's like there's the expectations and then you're sitting waiting for an announcement that's just not coming. Um, last season we had this, you know, bringing in a player, uh, and it ended up being Paddy Mullen. And I don't even know if he was signed or not, or I don't know what happened there, but we really, really seem bad at bringing in replacements, even sort of sitting now, you know, oh, we're short bench with a million extra imports, but we just don't have enough to cover lines and we're not bringing in replacements for the people we're losing. Do you think, obviously, it's kind of known that Belfast have a, a lot of uni deals and obviously when you have a uni deal, the pay isn't what you'd get if you were just coming in. Do you think that affects mid-season signings for the Belfast? Because as much as you are an arena team, maybe the pay the pay schedule isn't there. Yeah, I, th- I think sometimes... The uni deals are almost blessing and a curse. You sometimes get guys who are taking these uni deals. They're good top level players, but they're sort of maybe either thinking ahead to the future and the uni deal makes sense for them. But equally, I think it does to a degree hamper us when it comes to those replacements. You know, you know, you're coming in as a player. You see these guys getting paid maybe a bit less, but they're on uni deals, which is probably worth a lot more in terms of overall value at the end of the day. And we just can't, you know, there, there's obviously wage concerns. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about the sort of wage structure, but there's probably concerns about people we can bring in and what sort of flexibility we have with budget, especially when we sort of were already carrying the spur imports. Don't I just don't think we have unlimited resources. And just couple more I'll chop it I'll do the two in one we we've joked on the podcast that your fans go into meltdown when you lose and it is quite <laughs> hilarious um what are your thoughts on the, the meltdowns you have and what do you think Belfast need to do to salvage and have a successful season so with the meltdowns I think it's it's always going to be a case of you you get your kicks in you know while while it's good but you can't become entitled. I think the problem is there's a lot of people after a few successful seasons and, you know, a couple league wins, uh, cup wins, there's a lot of people, they sort of have that expectation. We should be winning everything and I want to win everything, but there's no guarantee and there's no absolute requirement that we should be winning anything. You know, if the effort isn't there, the team's not there. It's not going to happen, and I think some people, with frustration to a degree, but I say when you have a bit of success, for some people it will go to their heads, and I, I think that's sort of the meltdowns. They're going to happen, 
but it's again, you know, don't get, as people said all the time, don't get too high with the highs, don't get too low with the lows. You need to maintain a bit of balance in that and accept sometimes teams have your number. And what needs to change in your eyes? What sort of players do you need to hopefully be bringing in? And Are you light years away from being a competitive, well, winning what you expect to win? Or are you just a few little tinkers? I think, honestly, it's... I think it's just simplification. I think I think the problem is we have no player there at the moment, you know, who has been willing to sort of step up when it's getting a bit rough. There's no one willing to, you know, throw in the big hits, no one willing to sort of, you know, drop the gloves and, you know, when it's necessary. Um, but ultimately, I think it's just... It's small things, but it's all the small things adding up. The way, you know, a weak link one night and, you know, we can't get consistency across the lines. You could have the top line fire in one night, but nothing from the other lines. And then the top line goes absent one the next night and you're picking up goals from the second line. And sometimes we're mixing up the lines that much. Last, uh, was it last night? Last night, at one point we had Mark Garside playing in our top line. Kieran Long took an injury, and I think it was just trying to cycle boys in. But it was just that sort of moment where it was like, he did well, but anybody would play well with, uh, you know, at that sort of top line with the likes of Goodwin and Cooper sort of playing. And he looked, he didn't look out of place. But I think we just lack that sort of consistency that we're, tra- we're firing a D man who's guys playing D into that for, for that, that top line. And it's like, why? Did eventually fix it, but that's not the point. I think it's just, it's a lot of small things just have started to add up. Yeah, I mean, I love Mark Garside, but I don't, I don't think you want to see him on the top line. John. He did well, he did well. <laughs> John, what's, what's your thoughts on Belfast and how their season's going? I probably disagree with Thomas on the first thing he said about it's, it's, it's bad. I think it's fucking brilliant, to be honest with you. Seeing Belfast struggle. I think the word obviously he used is a word that uh, I think amongst ourselves we've we've said privately that they're very much an entitled fan base. They think that they've got God-given right to win everything. And, and, and fair play, they're not the only fan base that has that mentality. And it can be a good thing as well as a bad thing. Um, it's a bit of a weird one because you look around the roster, you see they've got some stud Brits. Obviously now they've got hook back. You've got Conway, you've got Whistle. Obviously, you've got, uh, you know, Hook, obviously, as you say, Kieran Long, Garside. That's five top-end Brits, even without your, your young kids. They've got good sort of imports there. They've got spare imports. They've got all the tools that they need. Um, and for whatever reason, it's just not clicking. And whilst they've had injuries, like a lot of other teams have, they have had the luxury of having guys to step in, um, which obviously other teams haven't had that luxury the same way. Um, I think, obviously... <laughs> Allegedly, things happened last week, which resulted in maybe the change happening, which possibly wouldn't have happened. And there's maybe things going off behind the scenes that are making that squad maybe not as gelled as they have been in the past. But, yeah, how do you put your finger on it? You've got the same coaches coaching them for a number of years now, knows the league inside out. You've got players who've played there for a long time, uh, who are consistent performers. And to have lost eight regulation games already... Let's be realistic. The league's done. They're out of the league in December, and when would you last say that was a 
a conversation for Belfast. I can't remember a time in the last decade where by December Belfast's not in the running. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one really because if I could give you the answer, I would be coaching a Belfast Giants, which wouldn't be my ideal gig, don't get me wrong, but by the same token, if Keith doesn't know, what chance have we got of figuring out between the three of us, you know? It's just a bit of a, an unusual one, but it's kept social media quiet for a little bit anyway, so every cloud and all that. Thomas, yeah, do you think the, the league... Well, I'm just surprised Belfast a winning mentality when you bring back a, the players that they brought back and when the season started the top line was firing uh, but they weren't getting the secondary scoring so um, you look at the players they brought in they're, they're all around that 26 year old mark and I think he may have took too many chances on players this year um, and not got the pros that he he, he would have wanted in uh, it's always hard yeah um and I don't know, has Peyton Jones worked out in the sense that Jackson Whistle's done that well? Has Peyton Jones become a bit of a scapegoat, whether he's not actually performing that badly? Is it just because well, you expect Jackson Whistle to be now be the number one? I, th- yeah. I think the, uh, I think Pey- Peyton Jones... Um, there's there's a good goalie in there, and if, uh, I may have said this last time. There's a good goalie in there, but it's hard to justify his place when Jackson Whistle's doing as well as he is. But when even Jackson Whistle is playing and we're still losing, you can't pin that entirely on either goalie. If we're not doing the business in front of them, then we're going to we're not going to win games. And I think Jones probably became a bit of a scapegoat. But it's hard then to take away from Whistle the fact that he has been performing as well as he has. Um, and again, I think it, it comes down to recruitment is always tricky. It's always hit and miss. This league sort of doesn't fit, you know, it's not like you're have massive depth where you can go to, you know, like the NHL and the AHL, ECHL and pick out some additional players who look good. Your roster is pretty much, you get a roster, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And the changes, they don't come quick enough. It starts to hit you. And I think the problem is, even if we make changes, a lot of them are just going to be too late. And say we're bringing in, hopefully, um, Josh Roach should, in theory, be icing this week. But, again, we're hitting December, and that's our sort of first player brought in. Um, likely to replace sort of Kevin Rain, who has played about two games and nothing more than that. Do you think they went maybe a little bit more quantity over quality? When you think, obviously, start of the season, they have to bring a few players extra in because of the CHR campaign. Obviously, they've made sure they've got 14, 15 port skaters um, good to go. And they've one or two younger lads that they brought in with not maybe the best pedigree. Do you think maybe without the CHL campaign they may have gone 50, 14, 15 better imports than maybe 16, 17, whatever it was that they brought in and maybe spread the money a little bit too far rather than focusing on maybe 15 good ones? I I sort of joke about the CHL curse, but going back to the last uh, post-CHL we had, it's it's a, it's a similar story. I don't think it's as bad as that one um, in that 
we went the goal down previously with that team and it was heads down. Whereas this team, we go a goal down, at least they look like some at least some of the players look like they want to bring it back and drag it back up if they need to. And I think it is the case of you have you're carrying those extra imports for for CHL and they all sort of perform well in that sort of competition and I think CHL performances for a lot of the players absolutely spot on and it's never translated to their performance when they came to the Elite League and I don't know if that's a mentality thing I don't know if that's uh, an issue with um, the sort of expectations or if it's a lot of guys who are new to the league and don't get that it's not about you know picking up a playoff spot it's about going for the league I I don't know what it is but stuff that needs to be worked out um, and I think it is just at the moment it's just too late to do anything major apart from almost try to fix the uh, fix the bleeding on it. Yeah, but I, I, I know you've said it a few times, and a few other Belfast fans have commented about the CHL being a curse, distraction, whatever you want to call it. I see it from my side. Having the team, obviously, I followed at the time were playing in the CHL. I think personally, it gives teams a jump when it comes to the league because once those league games begin. You know, you guys have had a month, five weeks, whatever it is, together. You've played competitive games at a good level. When you go straight into playing teams like Fife Dundee, who are not even close to being as prepared as you guys, it surely it's a chance to get a bit of a jump on everybody else. And, I, OK, maybe later in the season, there may be an element of fatigue with travel obviously being involved and having that additional schedule. To be in December and have already lost eight league games, having played in the CHL and, and being fairly competitive, it's a bit of a surprise. I think the CHL seems to really, rather than be a positive, I, I, I can't see how it could be a negative unless the, the, the squad wasn't brought in with the league in, in, in mind. I mean, do you think CHL makes much of a difference in terms of the league? It really shouldn't. And I think that's, you know, and this is why I almost sort of put it down to mentality rather than more than anything. I think, so, like, for some players that, you know, they just step up more when it comes to that sort of level of competition. I Like, I couldn't put my finger on it. And I think that's the sort of concerning thing. I don't think there's any reason why the transition from CHL to Elite League you know, should be a detriment. As you say, you've got an extra load of weeks on every other team. There's absolutely no reason why you should be sitting eight games down, you know, going into December and not asking questions at that point. And if it is if it is down to the sort of recruitment aspect of it, it could just be, you know, Thornton and Keith have got it wrong. And I don't think, I, you know, I think the fact that we are cutting players, the fact we're bringing new players in, I think it's testament to that. You know, if you get it wrong, you have to make the changes. Yeah, I, think, I, I like what you said there, getting it wrong. And uh, we we all like Adam Keith. You know, what what a player, what what he's done for Belfast is great. Um, but yeah, my my worry for Belfast was not a worry because obviously what I'm to lose. But Josh Roach is four or five years ago. You don't. He was playing with, uh, well, he was playing in the Canadian like league that's just for the old ex-players, isn't he? So you don't really know what you're going to get. You hope he comes back in. 
Then there's talk of bringing back JJ Pickinich, who's already got a job. It's what next? You phone in Paxton Schultz or you're giving Blair Riley a call. It's, it, it, you don't want Keith to be going back just to what he knows because the league moves on every year. Um, so yeah, I, I believe it's a, a real test of Adam Keith's time in Belfast. So it'll be interesting to see what goes on. Next, next topic of tonight. Just want to talk about the points that happened this weekend. So there was maximum points for the Guildford Flames, of course, Blaze and the Sheffield Steelers. Uh, there was Neil Poir for the clan, Fife and Dundee. But there were split weekends for Nottingham, Manchester, Cardiff and Belfast. I'll go with you first, John. Manchester wins 7-1 against Nottingham. Then get blasted out of the rink against Coventry 9-0. Nottingham, get spanked 7-1, and then beat the Devils like normal. <sighs> What's going on? Do you know what? I, for the first time since we started doing this a few months ago, I haven't got a bloody clue what to say. How do you possibly pick the bones out of this weekend? You could say, OK, it's great for the league, but uh, who would have seen a Saturday those results coming on Sunday? Now, Belfast, obviously Cardiff, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tight rivalry, close game. Either team could have won that game. I don't think it reflects anything on, on Sunday. But then you, you beat Belfast at home, you go into Nottingham, who, let's be fair, have been crap. You know, way before Corey came in, crap post-Corey. You, you know, they got battered at home last week by Fife, beaten at home by Storm the week before. Battered at a site in Manchester. Take away, obviously, the curse, obviously, of, of Nottingham Arena, which, for whatever reason, Devil seem to have uh, had lingering for the past two decades. Other than that being the only statistic where you think, oh, well, there was was in Nottingham, you couldn't see that result coming. But Storm, 7-1 against Nottingham, and then 9-0 the next night. You, you just... Where do you find the words to, to explain that? It makes literally no sense whatsoever. If Nottingham had lost... So if uh, Storm had lost 7 or 9 or whatever in Coventry, and we have having a chat a fortnight ago, I said, yeah, fair enough. Manchester was, was shocking. But in that small time scale, they've gone to Belfast and won twice. They've destroyed Nottingham, and they've literally just pooed the beds in Coventry. I'd love to be able to offer some content in this section, but I am literally scratching my head. I've been thinking all day, what do we talk about? But what, what can you talk about? There's no consistency. You look at Flames, Flames do what Flames do. Yep, tick in the box, they've done what they have to do. Sheffield have come storming back. Obviously, since uh, Alan and Mosey came back, we spoke about Mosey last weekend, and I said, oh, when he comes back, maybe they'll they'll change. And, geez, they've come flying back in those last three games since they've come back. But there's just no consistency. I, I just, yeah, I'm, for once in my life, I'm kind of stuck for words, and I'm really sorry to offer not much content there, boys. So, Thomas, come and bail me out, mate. Try and talk some sense. Thomas, it's, just before you jump in, does this give the Giants the G up that they need? Because I don't want to talk about the 11-point um, gap that Cardiff had, but surely the season isn't over for the Belfast, or is it? And with these results that are going on. I mean, based on that weekend, any, like... Anything can happen. We might even get a string of two games that, um, that we'll win. Um, 
you're looking at Guildford. I think everybody has been expecting the collapse in Guildford, and it's just not coming. And if I say if they can keep the form going for another month, who's going to catch them? Um, the results of the weekend were ridiculous. You go on to like you're sort of looking at fly scores, and it's like really, and ah, uh, it doesn't give me it doesn't give me any sort of boost or it's no it's sort of negativity. It's just sort of this is a weird weird season when it comes to results. It's I I would love to see if there's sort of any stats somewhere hidden away for most goals scored in a weekend because I dare say some of these weekends are going to start getting pretty close to it. Like seven nine game seven seven goals nine goals in the game, like consistently over a weekend. It's like what is going on here? I've nothing. I've nothing. I was I was baffled last night. I was thinking, oh storm. <laughs> we 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 played really well against them a couple of weeks ago, and we're the better team, and we beat them. But then I think, oh, they've got that G up from being Belfast twice, and. Then they come in last night and shipped nine goals and kept Braderen for the whole nine goals. I, when you're riding high and you've got those few wins, why would you keep your goalie in? Why would you not save him? Especially with Ginn being a netminder himself. I didn't see what that did. And for the Blaze, it gave us more goal scorers, getting the team. And I think we're now the top goal scorers in the league, which... You wouldn't have uh, you wouldn't have said, and I don't know. I still feel that there's probably some twists and turns in this season, and whilst I think Guildford will probably do it, everything else is up for grabs. And talking about everything else that's up for grabs, the Challenge Cup happened. We've had uh, two of the first legs last week. John, obviously Cardiff. Did the business? No, sorry, Sheffield did the business against Cardiff last week. Five one up. Can you see Cardiff doing anything in the return leg this week? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, it has happened. I think it was four years ago. Um, I was at the game where Sheffield won six two. Um, ironically, it was six one going into the last few seconds, and from memory, I think Joey had scored a goal really late on. Uh, to make it a four-goal defeat. And let's be honest with you, I don't think anybody had any real belief that they would come back and, and then win, and somehow they came back and battered Sheffield 7-1. I just don't see Cardiff as, as consistent enough a team to, to overhaul a four-goal deficit. Um, they seem to do well in Sheffield. They've won a few games in the last couple of seasons against Fox. I don't think so. I think... The team is quite banged up as well. They've four, I think Florian Port's missing at the minute. I just don't see that happening at all. So I think Sheffield is safely through. Um, with the other games, I think the, the other Scottish game obviously is very tight. That could go either way, obviously. They're not, neither team has got a lot more over the other. It just depends who wants it most on the night. Belfast, Nottingham, who can call that one? Let's be fair, you'd expect Belfast to be the team to sort of... Uh, Generally, over two legs, destroy Nottingham. But what Nottingham are we going to get now? We're going to get the Nottingham that played Sunday or the one that played Saturday. That's what the league's like right now. You just can't predict anything. 
and your game, fuck me, pardon my French, that's probably going to be the, the standout tie of the round for me. Um, just one, don't know to kind of bring up, you mentioned the Scottish team as well in the quarterfinals. I'm a little bit surprised, if I'm honest with you, with the scheduling, um, with Fireplay, Premier, whatever they call themselves these days. Like the four games in December. Now, let's be fair, the Scottish team will be in the semi-final regardless for the first time in however long. I think maybe Clan did it a couple of years ago from memory. But you've got Fife or Dundee, both there on merit. So they're both, you know, fighting for the quarterfinal, sorry, semi-final spot. And you look at the schedule and you've got like the four, te- the four games, Cardiff feature three times. Sheffield twice, and I've, I've seen Belfast and Nottingham once, wherever it works out, but surely when it's four games over this type of period of time over Christmas with a lot of fans, maybe they can't afford to commit to going to games. Why are, the, why are they spreading them out a bit better? Why can't eight teams all get one game? And why can't they make it where most teams are featured? I appreciate there's going to be rinks like um, you know, Guildford and Fife, which may be not the most, say, TV-friendly in terms of facilities, but these teams still charge 15 quid for fans to pay for a webcast. So it's good enough to show a webcast. Why can't they show like a live league game there? I'm just a bit just surprised that if you're not a Cardiff fan or a Sheffield fan, you're pretty much not going to show much interest to those games on TV over the next few weeks. And it's a shame for Fife and Denny particularly that they're both playing for a semi-final spot and they're not even featured. That's, you know I mean? that's a great point. Because I believe that Black, Mr. Black doesn't want, they've not, his teams haven't shown any games so far on the via play this year. So is he saying no? Are the other league not wanting to go to the little, the little clubs and because they can't set up well, which I find a little bizarre because the, the feed cuts in an hour anyway. So they're not the most professional outfit. But when, I, when teams are having to promote other teams' games live on via play, because we all have to love each other and promote other teams' games, it, it is a good point. Um, Thomas, your thoughts on the first legs uh, that's happened so far? Can Cardiff turn it around? Big game for your boys this week. It's uh, a cup that you might have to be relying on winning. What's your thoughts? I am very, very glad our second leg isn't until January. <laughs> um, I it depends. This team's right, Jekyll and Hyde. We could come out and absolutely hammer Nottingham, and equally we could ship about five goals, and equally, both results would probably be about as likely. Um, so we'll see how how that sort of pans out. Um, Cardiff as a team. Like like two seasons ago, um, or any of the seasons under Lord, that deficit would not be there in the first place. And I honestly think they, if it, if it was the case, you'd still, in the back of your mind, be thinking Cardiff can overturn that. They were that the sort of team that went back then. They would easily overturn that now. I can't see it. Sheffield under day. Well, they know what they need to do. They get that first goal. I think that's out of reach. And I don't think Cardiff will be able to do much about it. I would also stick on Day and Fife on TV. Brilliant, man. That's a brilliant game to have on TV. It gives those Scottish teams, you know, a bit more exposure that they don't generally get because 
oh, the arena teams need all the exposure because they don't have enough exposure as it is. 100% stick up. That's a game that would be absolutely fantastic to watch on TV. Two teams absolutely battling it out, you know, for that place. And two teams that really, really go at each other. I want to see that on TV. I would, wa- I would watch that on TV. But I suppose I'm one person that subscribed to Vapai or whatever it's called. And, you know, I don't speak for everybody, sadly. Because that, to me, is the, the one you want on TV. I agree. I mean, I saw a game last season with Dundee against Clan. And uh, I didn't even say even on. I was thinking to miss it all. There's a game on. I flicked it all. And it's probably the best game I saw of the season. They both went at each other. It's quite a high-scoring game. Um, you covered your boy, Mr. Yellowhorn, ripped her up that night from memory. I think he's got two late goals. And it was a brilliant game. And as you say, maybe you could find reasons not to play or show games in Glasgow or Nottingham if, if Neil Black's been what Neil Black is. But Dundee can host a game, no problem at all. The facility's fine. Loads of lighting in there as well. And I agree, I think it's going to be more niggle in that game than some of the other quarterfinals, to be fair. And I think that they've missed a trick there. The Scottish teams don't get a look in at the best of times as it is. OK, fair enough. You could argue that at times the teams are not really justified putting on the TV. But against each other with a competitive fixture in terms of there's a, there's a semi-final space up for grabs. Get them on. Give them a shot. Well, I watched a Dund- they had a Dundee 5 fun game earlier on in the season in the Challenge Cup. Well, it might be Lee, but they've definitely shown a game against each other, so it's it's there to be done. And it's a shame it's not. So, Thomas, what's your um, thoughts on the Cough and Guildford uh, Challenge Cup game and the four teams that will progress? Um, Guildford Coventry is a hard one to call as well. It's... I genuinely could see either team going through and I think I think Guildford if they're sort of think they'll be sort of thinking they can take it but Coventry when they're sort of playing at their best I think they could absolutely take that Guildford team and I think they'll be absolutely it's you know the two top teams in the league at the minute going at it I could absolutely see that being going again going either way um I'm gonna say Coventry for that one I'm gonna say Coventry um, Sheffield, Belfast, and I'm going to give it to Dundee, just because I think I think Dundee are going to come out absolutely firing. No reason, other reason than that. To be fair, I pretty much agree with everything you said, literally word for word. Um, as well, whereas Flames have been phenomenal in the league, they did start on fire in the in the cup, and they did fall away to the point where by at one stage you thought, well, maybe they're not going to qualify. Uh, I do think Harvard and Sean that they can beat anybody and I think whilst it's probably the closest tie I think if you try to split them I'm going to go Coventry on that one as well Sheffield are through um, Belfast over two legs yeah you've got to find Belfast to beat Nottingham and I agree I think Dundee just slightly edged five for me purely based upon five are really banged up right now they've got a lot of players out and I just think that Dundee just got a slight bit more of uh, Depth over five, so yep, same four for me is for Tom. So with this, with the Flames, we play on Saturday away, and then we've got a Thursday night home game against them, which it's not good. We're going to do a big push and getting some numbers in because that's one thing we're missing is the crowds to try and get behind the team this year. Um, 
So it might be heart ball in this one, but I'll go for the blaze. Um, so Dundee have got to go to Fife. I don't know. I think Dundee might do it. I just think Fife are just bizarre at the moment. Um, I'm going to have egg on my face here, but Devils, I don't know. I've just got a sneaky feeling that they might do something uh, if Bounds is in. Um, I think that Bounds proved himself over the last couple of weeks that he is number one in Cardiff. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, it might just be a silly prediction, but I can see Cardiff maybe maybe doing it. Probably be 4 or 5 nil to Sheffield now. And um, first night, you know, it's Corey Nilsson time, isn't it? It's, he loves these little formats and he's probably been, you know, just doing these results to see what's going on. So stuff it, Nottingham. Chatting absolute rubbish, but uh, I, I, yeah, you're talking shit about the Devils one to be fair because the full <laughs> roster, I think with a full roster with a crazy loud barn, maybe you could get turned around, but there's no way, there's no way with like having Reed out, Cougar out, Mark Lewis is out, um, and I think Jardine from memory says four players out, might one maybe back, I don't know, two maybe back, but there's no way that's if. A strong enough squad to overhaul four goals. Not a chance. But Nielsen, yeah, you never know. You never know. It kind of might have their old school mentality where they're short benched. No, yeah. We'll, we'll move on. Um, and it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a call out, but it's, and we've done it with most teams, but the five flyers, 800 fans at a game. It's, they're losing consistently at home. Struggling to maintain players in the sense of injuries and whether it's a lack of care. John, what, what do Fife need to do? Like, how, how can they change their mentality or if, will they ever change? You've got to start asking a question. What is the point of Fife being in the league? As, as, as cruel as that sounds, they don't seem to care at all. From like management down, there's some good people at that club, nice guys that run the club, which we've all talked about over the years, whether it be on the podcast or privately. Are they really the right people to be pushing that club forward? Probably not. But it's a very safe appointment for the management every year to bring the same people back as well. Of the two, maybe Hutchins is probably more of a a coach in terms of a guy that you know, give people kicks up the arse. Old Todd's he's a bit too soft, maybe. And I feel for the fans. It's, it's fans have been going there for a long, long, long time. I probably know more Fife fans than any other fan base, to be honest, over the years. I've met a lot of people up there. And they're a very passionate, passionate fan base. But when you're getting crowds of 800, as you say, wherever it was, and, and then not even a 1,000 the next night, okay, it's back-to-back games. You're not even bringing in 2,000 fans over a weekend, over two games. And how can you possibly run an elite league team? With that kind of, you know, amount of fans coming through. If you average those numbers out, if they're paying what? If you average, say, 15 quid a game, if you average out from kids, you know, whatever, um, concessions, adults, that's not even enough to even break even. And if you're not going to be breaking even every week, how can you sustain an elite league hockey team? You, you simply can't. And until there's a massive shake up behind the scenes, whether it be the club gets sold on, which probably would never happen, to be fair. Would anyone want to buy it? 
it's a small town where it's the biggest sporting team in the town, and it could be it could be a good good team. It could be a, a hard team to beat at home. They've won two games at home all season. Two games in, I think, 13 or whatever it is, maybe 14. Definitely 13, at least, from memory. And why would fans want to turn up when they go into games with four or five imports missing week on week with no one getting replaced? You don't sign Brits that are going to get on the ice. The British kids that they have, they never play them anyway. I don't blame the fans for wanting to go. Who wants to watch a team win twice in 12 or 13 or 14 games? Nobody. And it's just a sad demise because this this team... It's always been competitive for many, many years, but it's just like it's like it's just like dying a slow, painful death right now. And until they either take it by the horns and enrollment the, the club properly from the season to begin, start to finish, and not give up like in January of December, November, as they seem to do every single year. Otherwise, they're just going to turn to Edinburgh, and no one's seen another team like Edinburgh where they're going to just get battered every single week. But two home wins in, you know, in December, it's not good enough. And I feel for the coaches to some extent, good people, but they're not the people to come forward, I don't think. Thomas, I, I jest with the Belfast fan base, but imagine if this happened in Belfast, you'd, you'd probably be the sort of fan base that we'd, you'd want to have doing this. I feel we're like with Fife, they, there's an ignorance there. Like, yeah. They don't care. And they've signed Yanni Larkin and Kivalati that have left the blaze. And it's just kind of like, who can we get from the round of the league that was pretty decent? I don't know. What's your thoughts? Um, I was just looking through the uh, sort of past results and they're, you know, they're going out and when they win, they win. You know, 6-1 against Nottingham twice, 5-1 against Manchester um, it's a five for a weird one. That's that's a sort of setup where I think the people in charge have taken that club as far as it can go, and that's no disrespect to anyone. Um, but sometimes the right thing to do for a club is to get it into the hands of the people that can take it to that next step, because at the moment five are just stagnant, and. Again, it's, yeah, it's the fans that sort of, you know, you're getting 800 fans there, but that's still 800 people who are just saying, yep, I'm happy enough to watch us get battered every single game um, and have the two wins, you know, in coming up in December um, or, come, or by December. And I think the saddest thing is that could be a, a fantastic outfit there, a tough team to play. But something's not working there. And I could I can imagine if that was to happen in Belfast or Sheffield, Cardiff, where you're having those consistently bad results, the questions would be asked. But Fife just seem to have, for the most part, accepted it. The fans just don't complain. But what can they do? I think they've just, you know, that's their team. And obviously you support team thick and thin, thin but... Where does it, you know, where does the change come from? And that's a big, big question that needs to be asked there. The issue, like, we constantly seem to be digging out the Scottish teams. And there's a lack of care. Like, Dundee, we've had a we've slammed them clan. Well, we, we've slammed, slammed them. And I want the Scottish teams in the league. We need 
we need the Scottish teams in this league to be a successful league. And Fife, I mean, I, I believe they own the rink. Um, so they've not got the, the ice rent there. And so that's a massive, a massive cost that they don't have to pay. They used to kit out the new players in Mercedes, give them Mercedes, whereas Nottingham give players like Kevin Berg in a smart car. There's little things that Fife do that they could be an attractive place to play because any player that I've picked up from the airport, they all bring their golf clubs. And so you've got all those golf courses in Scotland. If Fife ever shit, they could be, even if they just won kind of the home games and made it a tough place to play, I'd rather go and watch my team win than do like what John said. I, I didn't even realise it was only two wins out of 13. It's... They need they need a revolt up there, and I'm sorry to say, but the owners need to have a good look at themselves. And there's talk of due to me moving upstairs and that. And again, there just needs a big a big shake up in Fife and one of the oldest clubs to play hockey. And it would just be a shame that the fans that just keep dwindling away and they they run away, they go out of the league again. I I think it's as we need the Scottish teams. And not to be whipping boys for every other team. They're very, very fiercely supported teams. And they, when given a chance, will absolutely, they'll travel well. They will be loud. They will absolutely go to bat for their team. And be it Dundee, Fife or Glasgow, they they need to have that support from the people in charge as well. And I think, like... Where does the investment come from? Is the sort of is the sort of problem? I suppose when are the you know who's going to step up and take all of those teams where they need to go? This sort of talk with Glasgow as well, you know, with the sort of new ownership. Are these people going to be able to take them to that next step, or is it just going to be the same stagnation? And you know, where do they go from that if that is the case? To to me. It's the same every single season. It's always the same talk about, like, DTM going upstairs. It's always the same, you know, murmurings of, of what they're going to do, change going forward. We, we promise you fans we're going to do this differently, we do that differently. And just talk is cheap. The problem, I, mean, I, I literally love going to Fife. I agree. We need the Scottish teams in the league. It's hands down my favourite place to go in the, in, in the league in terms of a night out. People are, cr- are class. I love the, the rink. It's an old, battered old rink. But it's almost, that's maybe where the problems kind of lie, because it's not a, an exciting prospect for a new buyer to take on. I think the people are obviously running in now, as you say, they, they own the rink, but they've almost got a duty to the town, or, or to, the, to the fans, to, to run in a way that it deserves. They, they've got a proud history. They're the oldest team in the league, as we said earlier. Hands down, the most history of any team in the league. But there's just no desire. As long as they're making a few quid every season, which they must be making money, because surely if you lose the money running that team, you wouldn't keep you wouldn't keep doing it. And I just think that just for a little bit more engagement with the fans, a little bit more engagement with sponsors, bring that extra bit of money in. That's what it comes down to. Bringing more fans in brings in more money, brings in more sponsors. That money can go on the ice, makes the team competitive. It's not a lot. We need to get some proper people in the front of the background, whether it be marketing people, social media people, wherever. Engage with the fans, engage with the sponsors, get people on board. Just don't small talk. Just do the basics right, 
that brings another 500 fans in, all of a sudden game changer. They then can sign better players, they can sign more depth, and the team's winning, and the, and the town is happy. I'm not a marketing manager, but to me, the, the solutions are fairly simple. But it just doesn't seem to be the desire from the ownership down to make those simple changes the fans are crying out for. Just give the people what they, what they want and what they deserve, because Fife, yeah, they're probably too low. They, they, they probably are, the fans, because the inner fans are still turn up. Fair play to them. Most fans who've, who've, who've walked away, they're probably right to do that. They probably are, because at the end of the day, they're being treated like crap. And until from ownership down to changes, it's not going to get any better for them, and it's just so simple. Five just sort your shit out. Simple as. I can't add anything to what you just said. Um, absolutely spot on. Lads, is there any other business, anything that you want to raise this week? Mm, I'm, I'm in pain. I'm kind of feeling sorry for myself right now. I'm in the late out. I feel like uh, the listeners would be deprived of Thomas's dulcet tones if he hasn't got anything else that he needs to raise before we do Too Good, Too Bad. I don't really have anything in particular. Just, you know, some dulcet tones just to keep everybody engaged. You know, you're listening to the three-on-three podcast, so I'm just here to give the people what they want. <laughs> That's why you're here. Just talk dirty to us, Tom. Cheer me <laughs> Right. <laughs> Last one, boys. Too good, too bad. Thomas, let's start with you. Um, Kieran Long getting on the top line, absolutely fantastic. Didn't look out of place, and that is a guy who has come to Belfast after being in other teams, and he's come and he's sort of more or less had to start from the bottom again. And he's worked his way up to being able to fit in the top line and look absolutely, completely not out of place. And the bad is the fact that he took an injury <laughs> while playing on that line and had to leave the game, um, which was an absolute shame. Uh, and I don't know what the sort of impact of that is, but it's another injury um, for Belfast. But, and we love an old injury, and I think that's the main thing. More injuries. Oh, cry harder. Um, Jonathan, you're too good, too bad. Belfast having injuries. Never mentioned injuries, do they, to be fair? Bloody hell, they kept it quiet, didn't they? Um, too good. Until they stop doing this, I'm going to keep saying Girl for Flames. Another four-point weekend. To be fair, every week goes by, and they still do the same things week in, week out. Another four-point weekend. So, until they don't, I'm going to mention them every single time. Um... Next to good, Mosey being back um, for Sheffield. Love Mosey. Um, I saw, I think, Faye per the other day, which was right in the last three games since him and Allen came back. 17 goals, four, three against. He's obviously back with a vengeance. It felt bad. I did have five down, and I didn't realize we were going to talk about them in so much depth, to be fair. I was going to pretty much say that five were just rubbish. What's the point of five? Um, so I feel a bit bad for chucking them in again, but whatever. Um, second bad is every weekend teams playing four or five imports short. It's just getting a bit tiresome now, and I appreciate no one's got the money to run with spare players and have guys sitting on the bench 
football. He understands, obviously, when everyone's fit, but it's still affect the integrity of the league to some extent. You could be playing a team one week, there's four or five guys down both nights, and then a week after, they play another team who play them at full strength. Just, why can't we just get some guys that can stay fit and healthy? We can have two teams with full roster against each other, because it's getting a bit boring now, seeing teams with like 12, 13 skaters every week. So yeah, injuries. That can't be helped, but board of injuries. That's me then, for those two. Uh, my two good, too bad. My two good is blaze heavy. Uh, 9-0. You can't not be blaze heavy. Uh, return of Nathaniel Halbert, our captain. He's very integral to our side. His transition play is unreal. And, and he's a big part of our squad. Um, second too good is Colton Arthritis Yellowhorn. Um, clan fans told us that he was done. He had Arthritis in his hands and, um, hat trick the other night. He is 14 goals in the league. He's third in the league in goal scored. He's on 30 points already. Um, yeah, cheers, clan. Thanks for Colton. Uh, too bad is they kept Brodor in for the whole game. He shipped nine goals. Like, it was six and when the second. Why, why would you keep your goalie in, especially when Matt Ginn was a goalie himself? I, don't understand the logic in that. It was it was bizarre. And uh, my second too bad is I realise that this is a double IHF policy, but I felt Glasgow clan tweeting about integrity because it's integrity week. Piss off. And I know it might be a league requirement, but it's the league again, you know, they keep making mistakes with dops and getting players' names. Surely you would have thought, Clan don't need to tweet that. Glasgow and integrity after the season. Yeah, I mean, am I being a bit wrong? I I don't know, boys, but I I just thought it was a joke. It's one of those, it is probably one of those things where it's like, you have to tweet this, but it just comes off as so, so false and so, so, ah, I saw it and I was just, my reaction to that was just like, are you fucking serious? No one at that club can talk about integrity. Mm. No one. It's just the most ironic choice of team to be the one to send it out. It's almost like, if we say this now, they're going to forget everything we did for the first two or three months of the season. They'll they'll lap it up. Hockey fans in this country are thick as. We say that, they'll give us some credit on the street. Fuck off, Glasgow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just pissed me off more than anything. And as I said the other week, like, it's just two fingers to the fans. They got zero point weekend, absolutely shagged by Sheffield. It's just like, nah. Uh, Glasgow clan, one week you're not going to appear on this podcast as a negative and you, you're going to do as well. But um, I believe that's it for tonight. Uh, Thomas? Uh, your Dorset tones have been appreciated. Thank you very much. Not a problem. I will do private recordings for you later. Don't worry. We'll get you on the uh, cameos. <laughs> we'll take a cut. Uh, I'll say Jonathan. anything for a fiver. <laughs> Jonathan, thank you for the, tonight. Thank you. I got baddies. <laughs> and everyone else, 
David will be back next week, so you don't have to try and uh, listen to me watch this along. So thank you for listening. Follow us on all the socials. And that's us closing the gate. Cheers. Cheers, Lee.